0: Welcome to Beggar's Bread, a podcast where we invite Christians and truth seekers to engage with thoughtful sources in an age of (laughs) disinformation. Our name is inspired from the quote by D.T. Niles, evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Each week, we recommend a source for you, either a sermon, podcast, or video. This week, we bring you Disbend What? And with that, this is Luke here in Wisconsin, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick, and North Carolina.
1: How's it going, Nick? Hey, what's up? Just here. Really excited to see, I guess here again, our season finale for season three. Finale?
0: Yeah, that's true. Oh, I forgot to say the little, our season finale, and then dispen what, (laughs) but that's all right. You just brought it up. Uh,
1: I brought it up. I was like, you know what? They'll know. They'll know. we have a structure at this point to which I'm pretty sure most people will figure out oh, wait, they only do seven episodes plus the occasional bonus episode, it's just a plus good... the Patreon bonus episodes. That's true.
0: <laughs> I mean, seven is just a great biblical number, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, I mean, you don't really want to stop at six, you know, because like, I don't know, Revelation has some bad things to say about triple six, you know what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: I mean, you're not
0: wrong. Did you like that? They that definitely segue? had some
1: criticism. It was a good segue. It was a good segue. <laughs> yeah. It works well. So yeah, you're telling that- me that we're talking about Revelation?
0: Revelation, of course. Uh, Well, actually. Everybody's
1: favorite Bible. ever Bible book.
0: Uh, Bible book. Yeah, you know. <laughs> the Well, okay. Actually, before I jump into that, I did want to say this is for all those people. Of whom we feel very flattered that choose to listen to our podcast, even though we recommend sources that are very long. And they're like, eh, I just want to listen to Nick and Luke, which I know sometimes I gave them, you know, a flack for that in a past episode, you may say, a certain episode. Uh, But we do feel flattered that you want to join us and listen to what we have to say. But also, there's more. Uh, This episode this week, is from a podcast called Five Minutes in Church History. So it is a very short resource. So for those of you who are like, I listen to your resources, they're just all really long. Here's one that is nice, short and sweet. And uh, it's a great resource. Anyway, so yeah, we're talking about dispensationalism. And if you're like, "Uh, what? That's why we called it dispen what? Because it's like, what is that word? That is a big word. So so, I'm sure many
1: people know at least some of the dispensations from dispensationalism, even if they haven't heard, like, the term before.
0: Oh, yeah. Tell us, Nick. What, what is a di- dispensation?
1: What what are, what might people be familiar with? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I have to figure it out. Uh, well, based on my notes from the five-minute, which I, yeah, surprised I took notes on a five-minute video. I was rushed. Okay. I had to figure it out. I had to... <laughs> To embody all these all these resources so quickly, uh, but I know one of them was the uh, separation of first of all a unique plan for Israel and two a unique plan for the church. I knew that was like a big big one. I think a lot of people might have some familiarity with.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so okay, if you're thinking sitting right there, going, "All right," I I do not know what Nick and Luke are talking about we are talking about one of the prominent views, one of the very, very influential views in Christianity of the end times. And dispensationalism does not just talk about the end times, but that's one of the areas that's very significant. Um, and if you're sitting there going, the end times, what in the world are you talking about? So there's a whole area of Theology of thinking about the end of the world. Uh some it's called eschatology, which is just a big fancy word for the study of the end, or the eschaton, which is the end. <laughs> um so we this could be our season eschaton. Or I don't know if that's actually the right use of that word, but I, I knew you were gonna say it. that though. <laughs> oh, I was did like, you? I know he's
1: gonna go for that. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> you should say that. I'm well so they already did, so it's too
0: late. <laughs> it's too late. Uh, but anyway i have not just to clarify something real quick for everyone i am not here today to say dispensational dispensationalism is correct or is incorrect i more just want to introduce uh everybody to this idea to know how influential it has been because like nick is talking about if you're sitting there going israel what are you talking about israel um prior to dispensationalism uh for most of church history so up until about the 1800s uh we would talk about covenant theology and so now you're going ah oh, like you're just introducing more terms to explain this term to me this is not helpful okay just bear with me for a moment um in the bible really kind of meta narrative just like big overview birds eye view it's like all right god makes this covenant so this this agreement with israel in the old testament and then jesus fulfills the old testament um and there's a new covenant with not just israel as a people but like everybody who wants to accept jesus as their lord and savior and uh dispensationalism was a little bit different in that it said basically god interacts with humanity differently in different time periods throughout history and specifically now instead of being this new covenant with everyone there's like almost two people groups of god there's the church after this is the new testament times and there's also still israel like as a specific people group instead of referring to the church as like a new israel as just like the new covenant new people group chosen by God which is all people groups that choose to follow Christ I don't know if I'm losing anybody um (laughs) I'm making any sense so far Nick do you think I'm saying too many big words at once I mean yeah Uh, I think
1: so yeah you do think (laughs) I'm saying too no wait which one no no no, that you're making sense oh great okay great particularly within the realm of like covenant theology (laughs) okay good and uh so anyway
0: The reason why this is very significant is because especially in recent times in the last century, um, dispensationalism is connected closely with Israel as a people group or as like a different body of God's chosen people as having a significant role to play still in this current era after Christ's death and resurrection. So um, it was widely spread through the left behind series. uh, And again, I'm not here to say this is correct or this is incorrect. More just wanted to say, hey, this is very significant. Regardless if you think it is correct or incorrect, this has had ramifications on international relations between different countries. what Christians think about Israel is very influential when Christians live. A lot of Christians have a lot of influence in one of the most powerful countries in the world, uh, America. So this is just introducing that idea, not even saying like this is correct or incorrect. But anyway... (laughs) before i go much further uh nick just informed me before we started this just shows me that this shows you that i don't actually know that much about the left behind series um <laughs> but that apparently nick cage is involved in one, <laughs> one of the movies. i think it
1: came out in like 20 it was either 2014 or maybe even 2016 yeah but it is and i mean there were movies before with kurt cameron which i'm pretty sure most people would say are pretty awful um if if they didn't think so back then, watching them now, I'm sure they do. But, I mean, that just goes to show that, yeah, there is that kind of eschatological framework that is really prevalent within a significant portion of Christianity, so much so that it even, like, permeated onto the scene of, like, Hollywood, which is very interesting.
0: Yeah, tell me more about that. Like, I don't know if this is... If, my, if I'm holding you to an unfair bar of research, because I don't know that we really talked about this ahead of time much, but did Nick Cage just as like, oh, this looks like an interesting story? I'm going a, I'm to a revisit this. <laughs> like. I, don't oh, I have understand. no
1: clue. I have no idea. You cannot understand the mind of Nick Cage. I mean, the stuff I've seen him in, I would not recommend on the podcast but like they they're very distinctly Nicolas cage movies and so i'm not sure if that holds water with regard to the left behind movie that he's in but i mean he does play a main character and i'm sure like as the titular role he brings his nick cage-ness to it but i don't know how that works on an eschatological <laughs> framework
0: That's... Oh man. I do like okay, I know I'm not the film I'm not the resident film expert on this podcast whatsoever, but I do like National Treasure. Although as I've grown older I'm like this is basically just like propaganda from the Freemasonry like group,
1: but anyway Oh, it definitely is. Definitely is. But it's (laughs) fun and it has a high rewatch value. I would recommend that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not for not for historical like veracity though. <laughs> Just for like, you know,
0: having a, a fun video. Basically Riley. Riley makes that video, that movie. I don't know his actual actor name, his real life name. Neither video. do I. <laughs> but he's very funny. Anyway, uh Dispensationalism. Um there was a there was a book that you mentioned, Nick, that you were like, oh this was recommended to me. I I have not read this book. And I don't know if Nick has, so I don't know if we're recommending it, but definitely.
1: <laughs> oh, I man. think it's a good resource to start with, and that's coming from somebody who hasn't read it yet, but I've been reading a lot of other things. So it's on my list, and maybe we'll go into read. more depth later. What I have read? Yeah. Uh, recently, I just read The Story of Christianity, Volume 1, so it's going from 1st century to 1500s, and then... I'm in volume 2, which is 1500s to the modern day, so you can imagine that there's a lot of pages involved with that one. <laughs> and yeah. for Lent, I also just read, for the first time, On the Incarnation by Saint Athanasius, so oh, dang! would definitely recommend, as C.S. Lewis did in the introduction, balancing your reading material as far as like, especially within the Christian faith with church fathers, it's like old school. And then also some contemporary literature and classic Christian literature too, which actually C.S. Lewis would now be regarded as in that vein of thought. Hmm. But I thought that was a good framework actually to that consider is funny. to like
0: Oh, sorry. When you said in the introduction, at first I was like, dude, C.S. Lewis was not around when Athanasius was around. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't tell I was me like, that in that book i was reading oh well then i was like oh no is that makes sense if it was like published as like some you know some publishing house being like hey we're gonna we're gonna make this widely available and c.s lewis writing the foreword or whatever that makes a lot of sense but at first it just didn't click in my brain i was like what
1: <laughs> you're like what how is he that old right
0: um what are what else do we have to say about eschatology Nick? Do you do you have any predictions of when the world's going to end? Should we should we do that? Just go on the record and and say that we know when the
1: world is going to end? Does that seem like a wise idea? I think that's a bad eschatological framework that runs contrary to <laughs> a lot of what scripture talks about, actually explicitly. <laughs> what? Okay. Crazy, right. I know. We will call out that. <laughs> That it's crazy to do that. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, um, a little bit unwise. Also, it's like it kind of echoes that control aspect that we've talked about so much on this podcast, right? That like, oh, we have control, so we're going to like determine the times. It also has like this sense of or like an essence of this secret hidden knowledge that only a few will, you know, be able to see. And then like they're the people that are going to announce that, right? So it's a very almost Gnostic sort of way of looking at it, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Tell us more about Gnostic, Nick. I don't know what that means. Well, I have a vague understanding of that, That is, but I bet there are people who are listening who are like, I don't know what that means.
1: Well, Gnosticism, I mean, it's like that and like Platonism are really integral to understanding like early Christianity and that like they actually used some of the philosophies of Plato to advocate for Christianity in the first few centuries. But with Gnosticism, it's like there's a secret knowledge that has to be ascertained, right? And that it's not through... It's like, I think it's through... It might be through rationalism, but I could be wrong on that part. But either way, it's like this hidden knowledge is not plain to all, which is contrary to Scripture being revealed to all, right? So just on a very basic level, it kind of runs contrary to our understanding of like orthodox Christianity. Yeah. And there was a lot of ecumenical councils <laughs> dealing with that and with Platonism as well.
0: Okay. Now you just introduced another word.
1: What does ecumenical mean, Nick? <laughs> well now you're picking me on the spot. Crap. It's a church council that I wanna say it's Sorry for putting you on the spot. You're gonna put me on the I spot. I think it's it's very much so like it's like um like the big, big Catholic church body. It's like church universal.
0: Yeah, I think that's the best way to say it. Um and Catholic just means universal, so um Also I would say in regards to the church using Platonism to advocate for theology, I would say Okay, this is this is gonna come across. This is gonna be rough. If we have like legit philosophers listening to this or theologians, they're probably right. gonna be like, "Oh boy, what did they just say?" But all right, let's just caveat it with that. Uh, I think like when it ta- like in John, it's like in the beginning was the word. They're using, I think, the word logos, which okay, I don't know Greek, so this is even more dangerous. But this <laughs> like the sense of like there in the beginning was like the reason, like the, the meaning of life, almost like this, the discourse on life. And so I don't know if this is what you meant, but how I make sense of it a lot of times, like, oh, we're, we're using the language of the people that we are interacting with. Like, like when Paul goes to Rome and it's referred to as, as Mars Hill, where there's like all these different pantheon of gods. And there's like a, I don't remember exactly what it calls it, but it's like a, something set aside is like for the unknown God or to the unknown God. And Paul kind of uses that in his, you know, talking to them about like, Oh, Hey, like this is, we're talking about, let me, let me tell you about the unknown God. Um, and I I think, I don't know the exact verb. This is where it's like, I'd love to go to seminary. It'd be so fun to learn some of this stuff more in depth. Um, (laughs) but I think he's like, his spirit was stirred within him or provoked so not necessarily that he's like oh cool you're all worshiping false gods but like oh this this bothers me let me let me tell you about the true god let me tell you about this unknown god that you're talking about that you don't know who he is um so anyway i don't know now now we're really uh just you know just figured we'd open up a bunch of can of worms if we're just opening a couple like you know don't stop at eschatology let's go right on to missiology
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, let's just do all of the things. And I don't even all know what that word is. <laughs> uh,
0: it's like, it's like the study of, um. Oh man, now now I'm just like I should use that word. I think it has to do with like how you present the gospel to people. Um, how you are like almost like the study of like mission work in the sense of like when you're proselytizing someone, you're trying to convince them to believe the gospel. It's like uh sometimes uh let's see here sometimes people will talk about i don't know if this is a good idea or just opening a i'm uh, just like opening this is <laughs> moving from big word to big word to big word i'm like oh my god it's the season finale they have time it's to process season. it time to, time to research it and like write us a note and be like guys you should not have said any of these things um oh, i'm sure i'm sure we'll find out <laughs> <laughs> sometimes people will talk about a Pauline versus Pete Petrine missiology or this is more just like oh man okay uh like oh I don't know if this is correct but we're gonna try like would the Apostle Paul he's just kind of going a bunch of places right like he's very much so like he's traveling all over the Mediterranean he's shepherding all these different churches by writing them letters by visiting them and then his letters get circulated among other churches it's very much so this we're going to go for it. You know, we're going to try and convert people and disciple them and, and have them walk in the way of Jesus as he's traveling around, right? Like he's not in one place. And sometimes that's contrasted with like a, like Peter's missiology, um, where it's not as much traveling, um, much more like he's like the head pastor. He's like the head dude, right? Jesus is like on this rock, I'll build my church. He is in, you know, Jerusalem for a really long time. And then I don't actually know if he ends up going to rome but i think that according to tradition a lot of times that is what is perceived um to have happened not as much traveling around now again i am just going to qualify all of this with saying that neither nick and I, nick or i have a mdiv or masters in theological studies so take it with a grain of salt or maybe like a large dose of salt um, <laughs> just doing our best to introduce uh you know just moving from eschatology to all theologies, all the stuff
1: yeah and i would also say that and i'm pretty sure something i had written i don't know if it was last year or the year before um about like apocalyptic genre like i definitely do not assert that i'm an expert in any way of that but there are very you know there's good things to be learned from it if you do understand it and take it within that historic and literary context, particularly within the apocalyptic genre in which for Christians there's actually only two books and then like one part and I think mark that you could consider like apocalyptic genre. So it's not particularly prevalent as far as genres within the Bible and so it definitely would be something I would call our Christian listeners to delve into deeper. Um, to get a better framework for understanding both, you know, if we're talking about dispensationalism and then also just, you know, the end times, eschatology in general.
0: Yeah. Well, and I would say, too, I, I like the way you were talking about, like, this is a genre of writing that's really kind of confusing when you read Revelation. Um, and I remember I was talking with one Bible teacher, like, literally his job was to teach the Bible at a high school. I think it's like a private Christian school. And I, we were talking, I don't know how we got to this, but we were talking about revelation. And I was like, like, what, how, how do you read it? Or like, what advice would you give someone trying to read revelation? And I remember him saying the imagery is steeped in like other books, like, you know, Ezekiel, Daniel, these other old Testament prophecies, um, and, and new Testament prophecy as well and historical concepts. So basically, the better we read and the more we read other books of the Bible and understand the history of the time, the better we'll be able to understand Revelation was kind of his whole piece of advice. So that definitely kind of goes well with what you're saying. Um, But anyway, before we go, uh, I did want to read our co-listener's review. Uh, This is from Marcus in Wisconsin. Thank you, Marcus, for Right in the review, it says, as someone who's just beginning to study differing systems of theological thought in regards to the end times, I had erroneous preconceived notions about what dispensationalism is. But in this episode of five minutes in church history, Dr. Stephen Nichols broadens our understanding of what dispensationalism is beyond its views of the end times by providing us a snapshot of its founder, its history, and its overall system of thought anyone looking for a five minute crash course on the subject matter can find no better pocket resource than this one. Excellent. Well, thank you for that, Marcus, again. Um, And Nick, any, any last thoughts on dispensationalism before we wrap up our finale?
1: No, I think we're gonna get in trouble enough. So I might hold it off there until I read that book that we just recommended on the fly
0: <laughs> <laughs> actually i don't know if we ever even mentioned it do not mention it i don't remember no. okay
1: so the resource that we were somewhat talking about before we went on a rabbit trail is called more than conquerors by william hendrickson and i believe it came out in 1939 and i always recommended it by one podcast that i listened to who had, I want to say, a New Testament theologian on their show at the time. And so he was talking about it being a good, like, as far as seminal work on the book of Revelation and how through Jesus Christ, like, we are conquerors. But I think you'd have to read it to get a better framework than that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just looked it up on Wikipedia, so I have no idea what this book is. So if you have any problems with it, it's Nick's fault. Anyway. Yeah, you can blame me. <laughs> it's fine. I'll be okay. <laughs> um this is the season finale for season three uh we are excited to see you guys back for season four again we'll take a couple weeks break uh the first episode for season four will be all systems go uh also some other topics we'll be we'll be discussing in season four include an interview with a professor or well he's not currently a professor but he has a professor for many years talking about the science of forgiveness so that's very exciting also we'll be talking about iconography addiction and some more interesting and fascinating topics thanks for joining us uh, for season three we'll see you back next season